Hello, hello. It's me, Caitlin of Sass and Cellulite. Welcome to another episode of Dose of Sass. Today, we are in for another round of Is It Diet Culture, where I unpack some common things, brands, trends, foods, activities that you may see out in the wild, that you may participate in yourself, that you may like be wondering, is that diet culture? I don't know. I got a fishy feeling about it. We're going to debunk it in today's episode. I put up a question box like before I even launched the podcast because I wanted to do this kind of an episode so bad. And I put up a question box to have y'all submit your suggestions for like things that you think are or are wondering if they're diet culture. Some of them are, were like super duper obvious, like you're putting literal diets in there. I'm going to tell you right now. Yes, <laughs> I'm not going to be debunking every single individual diet on this podcast because I don't have the time and there's better podcasts that do that. But you did give me some really great suggestions and I will be pulling from this box for future episodes. And when I, when the episode comes out, I'm going to put up another question box so you can get more suggestions. If you missed the last episode, it was one that I launched with, which I, th I think, I think it's one that I launched with. <laughs> There's already been over 10 episodes, guys. I'm losing track already. Um, <laughs> no, but I did an Is It Diet Culture that was focused all on beverages and beverage-like things. So we talked about greens powders and collagen and skinny margaritas and Air Up, that like fancy smelling tablet water bottle <laughs> and all sorts of things. So if you uh, have something beverage related, it might be in the last episode. So go check that out. Today's episode doesn't have a nice little theme, but I have a list of ones that I want to tackle. First and foremost, I want to talk about a trend that I feel like has kind of gone away. I still refer to it, but the height of this trend I feel like is, has passed us. And that's girl dinner. Girl dinner essentially is the like meal that you scrounge up based on the random ingredients you have left in the fridge. Like you have a random cracker, two cheese sticks, and maybe like a couple grapes, maybe a couple Oreos, maybe a juice box. Like this is like bare bones, really need to go grocery shopping. What do I have left in the cabinet meal? And girl, by the way, is a neutral descriptor. You don't have to be a girl to consume girl dinner. And as soon as this trend popped up, most people like got the point. What's the weirdest girl dinner you've had? And it's like, oh, I had a granola bar that's been in the bottom of my purse for four months and the last of my orange juice and like whatever, <laughs> like weird stuff, right? But of course, of course, unfortunately, this took a turn into like dangerous disordered eating and straight up eating disorder territory. And what was really concerning is there was a lot of people sharing their girl dinners that just were not even close to a meal whatsoever. For example, a cup of ice, not girl dinner. That is skipping a meal. That is dangerous territory. Taking a nap, not girl dinner. Skipping a meal, dangerous territory. Coffee only, not girl dinner. Not a meal, dangerous territory. Okay, so is girl dinner diet culture? No, unless you're skipping a meal, then yes, don't do that. Okay, next on my list, we're going to talk about pasta swaps, pasta substitutes, aka zucchini noodles, cauliflower pasta. Are these things diet culture? This is one of those where the answer is it depends because 
what I'm not talking about here is anybody who has an allergy and intolerance, some kind of something would be wrong with your body if you consume these things. I'm talking about people with celiac. I'm not talking about just like gluten-free pasta. Those are off the table. That that is a dietary restriction. But dietary preference is different. If you're just like gluten-free because you're afraid of gluten and you think that carbs are going to make you fat, that's different than going to have an allergic reaction if I eat gluten. (laughs) So let me talk about pasta swaps. First and foremost, if you like the taste of it, go for it. If you like cauliflower and gnocchi from Trader Joe's, I went through a phase of that for a while, mostly when I was still kind of dieting a little bit. (laughs) If you like the taste of it, eat it. I'm not stopping you. If you're consuming cauliflower, zucchini, chickpea, butternut squash, pasta substitutes because you think you can't have the pasta because eating it would make you feel guilty because eating it would make you feel like you're being bad, being bad in quotes. That's where I start to get into red flag territory because eating pasta is not the end of the world, first of all, especially if it's a vehicle for vegetables, protein. It's a well-rounded meal. And even if it wasn't, it's delicious. You do not need to swap out regular pasta noodles for a vegetable substitute if you don't want to. And here's where I also want to warn you is not to call these things pasta because zucchini noodles are not pasta. They're zucchini. Cauliflower gnocchi is not gnocchi. It's cauliflower. And you're like, well, yeah, technically, whatever. Here's the thing. What happens when you use the word pasta to describe these vegetables is you're just further ingraining, no pun intended, the idea that one of them is is better than the other. One is bad and one is good. This is the good pasta and this is the bad pasta. This is the guilt-free pasta and this is the guilty pasta. That's not what we're doing here. One of them is pasta and one of them is a vegetable. And whichever one you want, go for it. Whichever one you like, go for it. If you genuinely think that zucchini tastes better than pasta, I don't believe you, but (laughs) go for it. But bottom line, eat what you want. Don't demonize other people's food choices and don't call it pasta if it's not. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about pasta swaps. This is one that somebody submitted. I just think it's so funny. On its surface, like, no, it's not diet culture. But I know why they put it in there because I, let me just explain. So they put in the box, in quotes, I like to run for fun. As in like when somebody says this phrase, I like to run for fun. Is that diet culture? (laughs) And the answer is no. But I know why they put that in there because my reaction when somebody says, I like to run for fun is like, you're joking. (laughs) That is not something that I would find fun in my life. I am not a runner. And it boggles my mind, the people that like to run. (laughs) So I get the like reaction of disbelief when someone's like, I like to run for fun. You're like, you can't be serious. You obviously think that running is going to result in some kind of body change for you. Like be serious with yourself. I do actually think that there are people out there that like to run. Unfortunately, I have friends that do. My sister-in-law does. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. It's not diet culture unless you like know for a fact that they're like, I hate running. And then the next second they're like, just kidding. That's fun. You're like, okay, why are you actually running? 
<laughs> but unfortunately, there are people that genuinely enjoy it. I just had to throw that one in there because I thought it was so funny. Okay, another big one that I get questions about a lot and was suggested a bunch is shapewear. Hot topic, hot topic. Is shapewear diet culture? That's the big question. What you wear, what makes you confident is unique to you, is personal to you. I might feel most comfortable in a two-piece swimsuit. You might not. And that's okay. We're not, that doesn't mean we have different levels of confidence. We just have different things that make us feel confident. And I've talked about this on social media before. If you want to wear a dress that's not necessarily the most flattering and, and you know, maybe it's a little shapeless or whatever, but you feel confident and comfortable and cute in it, absolutely go for it. If you feel more confident adding a belt, accentuating the waist, adding some kind of accessory, absolutely go for it. Those things are a tool. They're not a requirement. They're a tool. They're not a crutch. You don't have less confidence if you add a belt to a dress and somebody doesn't. Your confidence is different. So shapewear for me kind of falls into that category of if it's something that makes you feel more confident, absolutely go for it. But it is a tool. It's not a requirement. I have a weird history with shapewear because I grew up doing musical theater Ding, ding, ding. How many times can she say that? <laughs> I feel like it comes up in every episode, or at least the last few. <laughs> I grew up wearing like tights, multiple layers of tights and shaping shorts and all sorts of things that smoothed me down as much as possible. So now I have zero desire to wear anything that's going to be too tight or cut me at my waist, or is multiple layers to have to take off to go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> I don't have the time or the energy to do that anymore. So that's my personal choice, not to wear shapewear. I don't find it very comfortable. Now, I did recently try one from Pinsy Shapewear that has like this beautiful lace on the front, and I bought it to wear as a bodysuit. I didn't buy it to wear as shapewear. It has shaping abilities, but that wasn't the selling point for me. I just thought it looked really cute. So that's my personal stance on shapewear. And I'm not faulting anybody else's individual choice to or to not wear shapewear. You don't need to, but if you want to, go for it. Where I have an issue is like 95% of the marketing around these kind of pieces is sculpting, snatched, smooth, trying to achieve a certain body type, a body size, body shape. Body shapes are not a trend, shouldn't be a trend. We're not all supposed to have the same body shape. Body diversity is a thing. We don't all need to have an hourglass to be perfect human beings. I don't know who decided hourglass was the like the, the, the standard shape. I mean, I do actually. It's patriarchy and white supremacy, but you know, anyway. You do not need to have an hourglass figure to be confident, to be loved, to be amazing, to be wonderful, to be happy, okay? So unfortunately, all of the marketing around these shapewear companies is like, how to achieve the perfect figure. Look, she had a belly and now she doesn't. Implying that one of those is better than the other. That having the belly is not okay and not having the belly, or at least not showing the belly, is the desired solution, is the desired result. Well, I, I hate when any kind of brand uses the words snatched, sculpted, smooth, because that's not... That's not how I'm trying to feel in my body. Those are not words that make me feel confident. Those are words that put me in a box. And I've seen like the most wild ads where like as a selling point, they'll show someone who has like lumps and bumps in a belly and like stuff them into this 
tiny little shapewear bodysuit thing. (laughs) And like, wow, look, she's beautiful now. And it's like, no, that, why are we still sending that message? So, so yes, I can say if shapewear makes you feel more confident, go for it. But unfortunately, majority of these brands come with a little side with the little tag along message of smaller is better, smoother is better, snatched is better. And it's just not. Another thing that kind of falls in this category is waist trainers. Now, waist trainers are a little bit more like on the nose up front about their desired result. Waist trainers just say it right out. We are trying to train your waist to be smaller, to achieve a certain body shape. And to that, I say big fat no. First of all, if you don't naturally have a smaller waist, now I'm not saying a small waist. If your waist is not naturally smaller than your chest or your hips, like that's not the smallest point on your body. It doesn't matter what size it is then trying to achieve that is going to cause damage to your body, physical damage to your body. Your organs are not meant to be squished like that. Your ribs are not meant to be cinched in like that. Why did we get rid of corsets? We can all agree that corsets were harmful to people's bodies. Why are we like in 2024 wearing a modern day corset, AKA a waist trainer? You do not need to train your waist to be anything but itself, (laughs) okay? Waist trainers, no. Shapewear, maybe. As long as you know, you do not need shapewear to be more confident. You do not need shapewear to cover your cellulite, to cover your belly outline, anything like that. But if you like it, and you're comfortable and confident in it, keep doing you. Another note about corsets is I know they're, they've been like kind of a trend. I, were they a fashion trend? I feel like I saw some people wearing them. Sometimes people wear them like if you're a ren- Renaissance fair person. Like so there are sometimes occasions to wear corsets or like coquette style occasionally like will feature corsets, I think. As long as you're wearing one that like actually properly fits your body and you're not wearing it in order to achieve a certain like waist dimension, go for it. If you like that as a style, more power to you. Okay, last one I want to talk about in this episode, and this is a highly requested one. And truthfully, I probably could talk about this for a whole episode, but I'm going to try to keep it brief here, is fitness trackers. I'm going to talk specifically about the Apple Watch, but my notes can probably be applied to things like the Fitbit, the Garmin, whatever it is that you have that tracks your fitness on your wrist. I'm not going to touch on the Aura Ring because I don't even know all of its capabilities and if that's something that it does and also i'll save that for another episode but i have an apple watch so i'm going to talk about the apple watch first and foremost is it diet culture yes and no yes but it like depends on if you care (laughs) so i got an apple watch like three four years ago specifically because the kind of workouts that i was doing at the time were like 20 seconds on 20 seconds off and i was tired of trying to like find my phone every 20 seconds to reset the timer and the timer would interrupt my music and like all this kind of stuff. And I wanted to have it right on my wrist. So that was like my number one reason for getting an Apple watch. I also liked that you can have your notifications right on it. You can reply to texts. You can change your song from your watch. Now, unfortunately, right on the face of the Apple watch is your three rings. You have a stand ring and a move ring and an exercise ring. And I believe the standard and your goal is to close the ring by the end of the day. So the stand ring, I think you're supposed to stand once an hour for 12 hours. It doesn't have to be consecutively, just like 12 hours out of your day. 
you st- you've stood 12 times that it could track. These things, by the way, not 100% accurate. So take everything that they say with a grain of salt. The move ring, I'm not sure what the standard is. I think mine is set at like 500 calories. I don't even look at it, to be honest. That's just, it's tracking like your steps and your heart rate and your whatever and like kind of giving a guesstimate as to how many calories you've burned by just existing throughout your day. And then there's the exercise where I believe like if your heart rate goes over a certain number, I don't know what the number is. It, it might be individual that that it tracks that as exercise. Or if you click one of the exercise buttons in the little exercise app here and you're like tracking your run and you're tracking your cycle or you're tracking your like dance thing, it'll log that as exercise minutes. And I think the standard is 30 minutes of exercise every day. So those are the three rings that you're trying to close. Now, that's where the little like, is it diet culture comes in. I don't think that you need to be knowing all of those things. You're not failing if you're not standing 12 times a day. You're probably standing more often. It's just that it didn't track it all the time. You're not failing if you didn't burn 500 calories by existing today. You're not failing if you didn't get 30 minutes specifically of exercise. It's an arbitrary number. I've talked about that in previous episodes. There is no magical number of exercise minutes that you need to get for a workout to count. So tracking those three things are not the epitome of health. If you don't close your rings for the day, you're not a failure. You don't need to be walking around. I'll get a notification at like 9 p.m. That's like, you can still do it. Go for a 10-minute walk. No, Apple Watch. I'm not going to be doing that. I don't need to close my ring today. It's fine. (laughs) Those are the things that like, if you feel compelled to do certain activities in order to like close the rings on your little mechanical device on your wrist. Don't, (laughs) don't do that. These are arbitrary. Now, unfortunately, I am driven by accomplishments and I like when I check things off of a list. I like when I clean out my email. I like closing my rings, even if I know they don't mean anything. I've actually adjusted my rings to be way, way less so that I can close them more frequently and feel good about myself. Not because I'm like, ooh, yay, I did 30 minutes of exercise, but because, ooh, yay, it told me good job. (laughs) That's just me and my personality. I have my exercise set to like 15 minutes. I have my, I don't even know what the move one is set to. And I think I even turned the stand down to six. You can turn it down to six hours a day. Just because I like the feeling of closing the circles. Even though I don't put any weight into what they mean. So if you are able to look at those rings and go, okay, those aren't going to dictate how I go about my day. Great. If that's not something you're able to do, here's my tips for you. If you're feeling like, Ooh, I just did a workout and I forgot my Apple watch. Oh no, it doesn't count. I didn't close my rings today. Oh no, I'm behind. I didn't get 10,000 steps today. Oh no, I'm behind. Listen, Movement is still movement, even if it wasn't counted on your Apple Watch. Movement is still movement if it wasn't 30 minutes on the dot. Movement is still movement if it wasn't 10,000 steps on the dot. These are made up numbers. And if you feel like you're watching the time on your watch, you're watching the number of calories burned, which are not accurate anyway, and you're letting that determine how your workout is going or how much longer you need to work out, that's a sign that you need to adjust your relationship with your Apple watch or your fitness tracker or whatever it is that you're using. I would encourage you take a break from it. 
it's not the end of the world if you don't have your notifications right on your wrist. Do a workout without it. And if that is like really, really scary and hard for you, that's a sign that you should, you should take a break from it because it's just a tool. It's just convenient. It does not measure your fitness, how you feel in your body. It can't measure any of that as well as you can and being in touch with your body. So take it off, do some workouts without it. Feel free to turn those rings off entirely. You can change your like background on there. You can put some little reminders, some self-love reminders. Maybe I should make some little graphics that you can put on your Apple watch. Okay. I'm going to do that. Look out for that on my Instagram stories because <laughs> now I want one. So back to the main question, are fitness trackers, are Apple watches diet culture? Yes. But if you don't care, <laughs> I believe that there is a healthy, you can have a healthy relationship with them. They don't control your life. They're just a little machine. They don't know you and your body. And if you feel tempted to change your behavior, change your routine, change your body based on something that these little rings said, red flag. Take a break. Take it off. Get rid of it entirely if you really if you feel like you can't maintain a healthy relationship with it. That's my piece of advice. So those are my topics for today's episode of Is It Diet Culture? If there are ones that I haven't addressed that you would like me to touch on, look out for that question box on my Instagram story or send me a DM. I will add it to the list and I may just shout you out on the next episode if you, if you submit a good one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Feel free to go back and listen to the last Is It Diet Culture episode all about beverages and more. If you like this episode, please rate it and leave a review and share it with a friend. That way more people can hear a dose of sass. Thank you for listening. Love you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.